You're listening to Travel Agent Chatter, Volume 21. Travel Agent Chatter is a series produced by the team here at Host Agency Reviews every quarter. In today's TAC episode, our guest will be talking about how she specializes in entertainment or production travel, which for some of you may be a new nook in the travel industry. So whether or not you book production travel, you'll want to stay tuned in because the approach our guests takes can be applied to any advisor that works with groups or is looking to rebrand their business. Because we'll also be discussing how to successfully pull off a complete rebrand, how our guests came to decision to start charging fees during the pandemic, tips on having a remote team and building a building in social responsibility into your business. So today's guest is not only the CEO of a team of six ladies, she's a mom to two-year-old and a seven-year-old with a decade of experience under her belt as a travel advisor to musical stars. So it's very likely that she's had a hand in bringing some of your favorite musical artists to venues around the world. And just a quick note before we dive in, the HAR team is busy cooking up our second annual host week, which we're very excited about. So mark your calendars for January 23rd through 29th, where we'll be hearing from keynote speakers across the industry. There will be tons of host agency interviews, so you can get to know them a little bit better. Special discounts from hosts and other industry partners that are exclusive for Host Week, and a lot of other fun stuff. So get your free spot by going to hostagencyreviews.com slash hostweek. Now, without further ado, let's get on to the show. Experience the elegance of a Uniworld luxury river cruise. From the stunning ships to the five-star cuisine, everything is included, and every detail is carefully designed to make your journey unforgettable. Contact your travel advisor or visit uniworld.com. Well, hello, hello. Happy days, everybody. I feel like it has been ages since we last chatted. I miss you because every Friday we normally get to connect via our Friday 15 podcast, but I've been not feeling so well lately with a vasculitis flare and Maureen has been a huge champ the past few months and heading that up. So the good news is that I've saved up all my energy for this episode of Travel Agent Chatter. And I am so excited to pick the brain of Molly Williams. She is the CEO of The Optimist Travel. It's a production travel company located just a few miles here from Har in Minneapolis. So if you are not sure what production travel or entertainment travel is, do not worry, you are not alone. It's a niche. And it's uh, a smaller niche in the travel industry. So Molly's agency is one that helps bands like Britney, who doesn't really need a last name, the, the Black Eyed Peas, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden. She brings the music to their fans around the world. So it, it doesn't really get much cooler than booking music stars and their team around the world, except for it does because Molly has pulled off an enormously successful rebrand of her agency during the pandemic. And I'm telling you, if you are looking for a rebranding inspiration, this story is a must listen. So before I introduce Molly, a really quick reminder that Travel Agent Chatter comes in a variety of formats. So you can listen to it in the podcast. You can watch the video on our YouTube channel, or you can read the transcript at hostagencyreviews.com slash TAC. And you can also find the show notes there with links to any resources we mentioned. Let's see. Now... This is episode 21, as we mentioned earlier, and today's schedule is going to be broken down into five segments. So the first one is beginnings. We'll talk about how Molly got to where she is. We'll discuss production travel, and then we'll move into her rebrand and talk about tips and resources. And then the last one will be our warm, fuzzy segment. 
So I think I've built up enough suspense already. Molly, welcome to Travel Agent Chatter. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Oh, good. It's so good to have you on the show. I feel like the last time, well, I guess not the last time we talked, but you know, we got to work together a little bit earlier, maybe last year around this time on ASTA's Roadmap to Becoming a Travel Advisor course, because you did kind of the GDS segment and taught people how to, what it's like to work in the GDS system. Yeah. Book a flight, book a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone's interested in seeing Molly, if they just can't get enough of her um, <laughs> through this podcast, you can also, we'll put a link to ASTA's Roadmap to Becoming a Travel Advisor course. It's a great course. I led it and Molly was one of the people that helped me and you can get it for, let's see, I think it's half off if you use code HAR, H-A-R-149, so you can get it 149 bucks. So, but anyhow, why I bring that up is because while we were doing that kind of tutorial, um, there was this poster of Britney Spears, or I call her Brit because that's what I imagine friends would call her, but... <laughs> There's a picture of like Britney Spears world tour in the background. And that really planted my seed that Molly would be a fantastic guest to talk to about her little nook within the travel industry. So here we are. And Molly, you weren't always a travel advisor to music legends. You graduated with a degree in communication. So how did you end up in production travel? Let's see. Yeah. So I graduated from the University of Minnesota with a degree in journalism and public relations. and Thanks to my experience studying abroad the year prior to that, I knew that I did not want a normal desk job and I wanted to travel. So right after college, I moved to London, bartended there for a year, traveled around Europe and just kind of nurtured that travel bug of mine that I had in my 20s that was uh, insatiable. So after I came back from... Europe, I started working in event marketing, experiential marketing. Like I was the Apple teeny girl doing Apple pucker promotions downtown Minneapolis. I and knew you looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> 10 nights a week, I like to say. So I did that and I started working regularly with a company called GMR Marketing out of Milwaukee. And it just kind of did those, you know, like project management, tour management over these brand activations. And through that, I ended up on a longer program with Major League Baseball, had a hotel per diem, but we drove a van like 11 months a year sponsoring music, music events and corporate events and baseball events with a Major League Baseball roadshow, which was like two fifty foot semi trucks that converted into apparel display, batting cages, pitching cages, video gaming. And that kind of thing. So that's how I got my foot in the door on music touring. So with Major League Baseball, we sponsored Project Revolution, which was Lincoln Park's festival tour. This was like 2003, maybe 2003, four. So then we were on tour with, you know, 10 bands and several other sponsors kind of doing the whole country in the summer. And so that's how I got into music touring. After that, I met my husband on that job. He was a personal security guard for Lincoln Park, and we would do 
Major League Baseball brings you batting practice with Lincoln Park and radio station winners in each city. So we got to know, you know, their whole team. And shortly after that, they were looking for a production coordinator for their next world tour. And they asked me. Wow. So that's how I started music touring. So I kind of came into it from the travel side, knowing I want to travel for whatever I do for work, having, you know, studied in Europe and studied German language and just really wanted to, you know, continue to see the world in whatever I did. And then, yeah, so that was an exciting opportunity. And I started touring in 2005 and toured like full time a year round until 2013. And I started the travel agency in 2012, knowing that I was kind of getting ready to move on from full-time touring and wanted to start a family. And I was tour managing the Jacksons, the brothers. That's what this plaque, it's a plaque, Steph. It's not a poster. Okay, <laughs> I'm so, so embarrassed. <laughs> My naivety is really showing here. Here's the one. Oh, hey, Britt. So good to see you. <laughs> yeah, Britt in the picture there. So, yeah, so I was working with the Jackson brothers and was kind of just getting ready to wrap up a life of being on the road all the time and did some research and found Travel Quest in Albertville, Minnesota, which yep. is where I live in the general metro and kind of started putting the pieces together and started the agency in 2012 as Smart and Savvy Travel. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the year I started mine too. So we're, we're definitely, I feel like both of our degrees, I guess, well, comms kind of isn't with yours, but mine was an environmental education and liberal studies. So super glad I got that because it's very helpful for what I'm doing today. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's dig into things a little bit more. So compared to more traditional leisure agencies, there aren't as many agencies that specialize in production travel or entertainment travel. Would you mind breaking down for us what exactly production travel entails? Yeah. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a doozy. In my experience, it's, you know, a lot of hotels, group blocks, normally small to large group blocks, depending on, you know, what the production is. If it's a theater or an opening act artist who's doing nightclubs or in my case, we do primarily live music and entertainment. So I don't know as much about the TV and film side of it as I do about touring. But if you have a stadium tour, you know, you're going to have 120 plus people on tour moving this thing around. So yeah, we do a lot of large group hotel room blocks, a lot of flights, a lot of flights. Most of our clients travel primarily on tour bus, which is, you know, full size sleeper coach with like nine to 12 sleeper bunks. So not like a sit up coach bus. So for domestic tours, they're going to be on tour buses and have hotels, you know, every other day usually. And then um, if it's not a bus tour, then it's flights. So a lot of flights, a lot of group flight contracts, a lot of flights in the GDS and hotels. And then anything that, you know, supplements that if it's ground transportation from hotel, you know, airport to hotel in every city, if you're not doing a bus, if you're doing, you know, A-level artists, you're doing greeters in every city, 
private, you know, private planes, depending on needs. Yeah. So it's logistic now getting everybody from A to B. So you're like essentially the really like hip and sexy version of a TMC is what I'm hearing. Is that right? Yes, but I don't even really know much about TMCs, so I couldn't really, you know, I can't really compare because I don't yeah. have experience on the corporate, corporate. Yeah, so it, it feels like you're doing groups, which is why I think like for any advisor listening to this, that it's really, it's applicable even if they're not doing production or entertainment travel because you're moving around these big groups, you're negotiating things. Because tell, tell us a little bit about like when the groups because I feel like production travel has some special needs. Like, you know, these people, they, they live their lives on the road. It's not like school band going for summer trip somewhere. Right, right. So it's it's like they have like things they want for their team members in the lobby and you do a packet to get ready for everybody when they go to the hotel. So tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, create and submit for all of our groups, a hotel instruction letter or a rider. You know, a lot of times a rider is thought of as a dressing room, you know, the green M&Ms thing. Well, it's like, yes, that is where, you know, that information would live. But for the most part, it's like, you know, we're going to arrive in this kind of, bu you know, bus. You're going to, you know, here's your contact information for arrival. Estimated times of arrival, like, please honor the do not disturbs because our, you know, our group is not sleeping normal hours. Those kind of things. So you have to kind of, you know, go through these things and, you know, work with each, each hotel to get all the billing details arranged and that kind of thing. And then, yeah, I mean, when you get into a level artist, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you, you might be doing a lot of custom hotel details and you may even have a travel advance person that flies ahead to each city to get the hotels arranged for the group, depending on how, how high the needs are for the group. Yeah. Cause one of the other things that you mentioned that, that surprised me is, is a big challenge is the parking for the buses with the hotels and making sure they understand like it's not just enough to say you have parking for the buses, that it will actually be available is key. Well, where where is it? How much does it cost? I mean, a lot of times you have to work with the city to bag the meters. So you, mm. it, the hotel, hopefully, you know, will liaise with us to liaise with the city. And then they bag the meters for a certain cost, like buying out, you know, the meter through a permit through the city every day. I mean, if you're in downtown Minneapolis, you'll see it a lot, you know, all around the Grand Hotel and the Marquette. And you'll have buses on, you know, every different corner if you've got a big tour in town. So, yeah, bus parking, that's a very, that's a very important thing. And when you talk about, like, entertainment-friendly hotels, where, how do you find who these entertainment-friendly hotels are in every city? What's the easiest way to do that? Well, we have a little secret resource at our... Hand. Not a secret anymore, yeah. Molly. It's called Tour Connection, which is a company out of Michigan that is wonderful resource to entertainment travel agents. But it's like a request for proposal system where entertainment hotels are part of the Tour Connection network. And then entertainment travel agents have request for proposal system where we can put in our needs 
and send it out, you know, to a city. So I know it's similar to what people use like Cvent. Yeah, I was going to say um, it sounds a lot like Cvent. It's it's exactly that. I've heard. I haven't used Cvent because, again, we don't do like corporate meetings, but it's it's like that. So Tour Connection is is what we use for that, which is amazing. And then they also host gatherings or whatever, get togethers like four, three or four times a year. And we, you know, if we travel to them like conference, they have a trade show and then we get to meet the sales reps from the hotels that we end up working with, you know, very regularly every year or whatever. So mm-hmm. of course it was a tough year during the pandemic and a lot of big changes made in in those networks. But yeah, that's our primary resource. Yeah, we'll we'll put links to Cvent and Tour Connection in the show notes for if anyone's interested in kind of checking those out. One of the things I noticed on your site that's one of the services you provide is data and budget management. What exactly does that mean? What does that entail? Well, for data management, like basically personnel, you know, so we have tours that or or we do some companies, you know, a lot of like some vendor companies that support touring, like a security company where we do, we handle all the travel for their team, wherever they're going, because they do different festivals and events. So we do their personnel management. So basically creating for them, for their use, you know, with everybody's travel details and then keeping them updated and alerting them when people's passports are about to expire and that kind of management of their group data. So when they, you know, when they have somebody that's replaced, we are a central location for them where they know that, you know, we've got everything because we've done their travel for the last several years and we're going to have these people's preferences already on file. We had talked about, and I'm forgetting the name, of course, again, even though you've told it to me numerous times, but the the client portal that you have people where they oh, can yeah. log in and see all this, these details and different things. Yeah. Mokstra. Yeah, that's something that we implemented during the rebrand. We were looking for a way to streamline client communication and eliminate like the hunt, the endless hunt for emails and attachments. Like, is that the one that had the attachment? Oh, there's 27 emails in that string. So we tried out a bunch of different things and researched a bunch of different things and ended up with Mokstra, which is a really cool tool. So, yeah, if we have a client we're working with regularly managing their travel, like our reoccurring, our retainer clients, we use it for receipt delivery. It's awesome. It's like a, it's like a, basically it's like a joint Dropbox, Zoom, Skype, Slack, like it's all those things in one because you can communicate with them, create folders, put the things in there. You can, oh, and a DocuSign as well. Oh, Uh, nice. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So do do they have like specific, are they focused on travel agencies or do they, no, okay. Not at all. No, they're used by like Citibank. They're used by a lot of big, so it's secure. We don't do credit card collection through it. It's not a PCI compliant tool for that, but it is secure. It's a secure, you know, location for document signing. It's like the legal DocuSign. It's cool. So it's it's very clear to me that with production travel, it's very time consuming to keep up with all the logistics and the moving parts. And I'm not sure it sounds like there might be changes frequently with who's going in and out. 
So let's talk about fees because you had an epiphany when a whole year's worth of work was wiped out in a week during the pandemic. So tell us more about what happened there and what you decided to do. Yeah. So prior to the pandemic, we didn't have planning fees. I mean, the fees that we charged were for flight ticketing, $40 domestic, 80 international. That had been our fees from since 2012. And then um, leisure planning. You know, I don't do a lot of leisure, but I would do, okay, a $200 planning fee for like an extensive FIT, you know, that I did for a client. But other than that, we didn't have a fee structure. So we just, you know, if a client sent a tour, we just launch into it. Like now it's our stress and, you know, there's, there was no financial exchange between us and our client. It was just understood that our income would come in the form of the commission from the hotel. So, you know, it's been a flawed system for many, many years, I think, you know, on the travel agency side of it. And it's, Nobody's fault, not the client's fault that that's how it was. There was no line item for travel agents. It's just like, oh, they get paid by commission from the hotels. And of course, in 2018, I think 17, 18, we saw Marriott cut group commissions from 10% to 7% across the board. And then Hyatt and Hilton followed. And so there you go. The whole industry basically lost 30% profit income year over year if you do group hotels. So we just found ourselves totally susceptible to everything that's out of our control, right? Mm -hmm. No way had control over our income. We saw it go from 10% to 7% year over year. And we can't not provide our clients options of Marriott's and Hyatt's and Hilton's and Marriott owns everything. So they could do that, you know. But then with the pandemic, you know, we start booking tours, let's say in October or something that might go in March in six months of, you know, negotiating contracts, and getting options and going back and forth and managing the room block with every city. And we didn't charge anything for that. And so March 8th came and all like 11 tours on our roster, and, you know, wiped out in a day. And because I think, you know, we have things well organized, it wasn't, it didn't take us very long to go through our list and just cancel everything that we had booked and realize that we aren't owed anything. We, we in no way had ourselves protected for the situation where we didn't have cancellation fees in place and we hadn't charged anything for the upfront planning. So I had paid a team of people for six months, you know, based on a spec of, commission that we had anticipated receiving. And as we know, those commissions come in 30 to 180, you know, days, if you're lucky after a stay. And that's a whole job in and of itself to find and chase those commissions. So yeah, so we're like, this is this isn't going to work. We're not going to be able to reopen after the pandemic like this, you know. So we did a lot of work over the whole on all levels. One of the biggest things being what's our business model and what's our fee structure. And we value our work. We value our time. I mean, 
you know, I could give you a thousand. Do a books. lot of work. Yeah. 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 And a thousand reasons why not the least of I'm a mother of two who pays somebody, you know, my, my hours are not free in the first place. So, and I'm also, you know, I have an amazing team of agents that have experience running, you know, 30 plus years on the road or in travel. So it's just figuring out what the value is of our time, how to, you know, put that into words and start charging it and start believing in it and, and sticking to it. Yeah. I feel like you had mentioned that one of the things that really helped you like see things in a bigger picture. Well, one of the things that was interesting is you talked about how you would work so hard on your client's behalf to make sure none of them had cancellation penalties. So they didn't pay anything when, you know, they had to get canceled. But it was like, you were looking out so much for your client's interests, but yet then you overlooked your best interest. Well, and we did actually, when it happened in March, we said, okay, we, these hotels were ready for check-in. I mean, some of them were for today, you know, and, you know, 20 to 60 rooms, every name change. I mean, we'd been literally working with these hotels like right up until, you know, so we're like, our client knows how far into this we are. We we can't have done this for nothing, you know? Yeah. So we created invoices of lost commission and it was very brave of us to like, oh, well, do we want to like lay out what we were expected to make? And it's like, well, it's not like it was zillions of dollars, you know, was, but I mean, you know, it's a $1,500 commission from this hotel where in we've been working on for six months. And so we created those and, you know, we work really closely with our clients. So we just were very transparent and said, here's this, you know, I know we're all in the same boat where now we're, we're all just losing money and nobody knows when this is going to come back to life. But, you know, this is what we're, we've lost with this cancellation. And being that we hadn't had it in terms and conditions, it was kind of this send it and pray thing versus, yeah, we need to set this understanding in advance. This is now a written, hey, let's have a term and condition. <laughs> let's let's have an expectation, you know, that if the work is delivered, that if the trip gets canceled, the, the stay gets canceled, then we will charge that money, you know. So we have a 10% cancellation fee. Signature, yeah. Yeah. And if it's a rebooking, of course, I mean, again, we're always on the side of our client, you know, like if it's a rebooking, if it's a reschedule, we're changing it, we're moving it. We're not, we're not charging. We're like not swiping it for 10%. You know, it's like we feel for it, but if it goes off the schedule, you know, and we, because of our negotiation years of experience and the clauses that we work very hard to get, you know, put in our contracts so that we're protecting our clients, we get them out of 100% of the hotel stay, then, you know, it's a small price to pay the 10% that they yeah. locked down ready for turnkey arrival, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's cancellation fees, protecting the commission that you're working towards, and then planning fees up front, which we do... per city for group hotels and $100 per hotel per, you know, for individual hotels. So a couple, you know, two, three band members, somebody going on a leisure trip, a manager going out to see the group and staying in a different city. You know, a lot of times it's 
four different options. We want to know size of the room. Sometimes we need to know the size of the desk in the room or the bathroom, you know. So it's $100 for us to engage in the research negotiation using our network to get you, you know, discounts, billing where they're just handing you the key when you walk in the room and then the folios in the portal. And, you know, I think it's worth $100. Yeah, definitely. And you, when you're coming up, like when you're deciding to charge fees, you kind of, you took ASTA's VTA program on fees. And what was your experience with that? It was awesome. I mean, I was like reading quotes from that, you know, to my colleagues after. Yeah, I did old VTA, the Verified Travel Advisor Program during the pandemic. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> check some things off the list here while my children were, you know, driving me insane. Uh, <laughs> and, and it was just so enlightening. I mean, I could start telling you all the highlights of it, but basically it was that travel advisors didn't start out by being free. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what the original name of ASTA was? I know this because when I wrote the roadmap course, it was in uh-huh. the timeline in the beginning. And now I'm so embarrassed. Tell me. I don't remember. The American. The steamship. Yeah. Yeah. Steam. Yeah. I was going to say something with the Steamships Association. Apple Association or something. I'm going to yeah. send this to the ASTA people and they're going to be so impressed that we are regurgitating kind of this information (laughs) well i am the event i am the event planner for the midwest regional chapter of asta is another thing i joined oh that's exciting i didn't know that yeah we'll we'll put a link in for the like vta fees course because i've heard from multiple advisors that it was really eye-opening which just gives you that confidence it's like it you know he's great the he does a lot of those courses i can't remember whatever but like the commission from the hotel to the agent does not pay for the work the agent does for the client. That's money brought, you know, from the hotel to the agency based on the volume of work that you bring to them, the work you're doing together to like button up the group. It's like a whole project management thing. It's like, that's what that's for. You know, why am I relying on all my income to come from a hotel when I'm working on behalf of my client 15 hours a day? you know, around the yeah. did not make sense. And again, it wasn't, it's not our client's fault. They were, no, that's how it worked, how it worked, you know? Well, like, yeah, like, I think a lot of clients don't understand. Cause I think there's also, you know, even when most advisors weren't charging fees, there was always this perception that travel advisors were more expensive to book with, you know, which is yeah. the case. And, and what's, what's interesting too, and we're kind of talking about how it doesn't, like commissions only, it's really hard for agents to make ends meet, depending on what your niche is and what you're doing. But we just started publishing our annual travel advisor income reports. And the uh-huh. well, it, we're publishing it in the next couple of days. But the, the average income, and this is last year, of course, but the average income in 2020 for a full-time travel advisor dropped to $11,000. I mean, it just killed we were decimated by the pandemic so i'll put a link to that if people want to take a look but it's you know you're essentially the success of your business is in the hands of other people when you're relying solely on commissions there are advisors that don't believe in charging fees and that's totally fine but i think it's something that people should really examine 
on if this makes sense for them or not. And if it's something you're nervous about, the ASTA VTA course is a great option for them. I'll link to, we have an article series that helps people about charging fees and things to think about and how to implement it that I'll link to too. Like you said, it's just taking it in, you know, control back. Like, what is it going to take? I mean, it's not free to run this business. Subscriptions. I mean, we're a GDS agent. I've got four to, you know, we pay subscriptions. We pay for system. We're we're a business. We have insurance. And I am not willing to do it alone because, you know, that's how I started. And obviously, if you've got a smaller book of business, you're alone. But in my industry in, you know, there's so many fine details that it, I don't care how small your clientele is or what it's too many details for one person. You know, you need a second set of eyes on things and stuff. So I'm not willing to like shrink down and do it alone because I don't think that I can provide the kind of service that I think the client deserves without a team. So for me, it's like, we're, we're a team. We have a team available to you, which makes it a more reasonable lifestyle for us, you know, in order to like actually do this as a sustainable job. Yeah. And so, yeah. You you worked with a pricing strategist too, kind of. We'll, we'll talk about the rebrand in just a second. But right. when we're talking about the fees, you, you worked yeah. with a pricing strategist to try to figure out what makes sense. So what did you learn during that? Yeah. And I didn't even know there was such a thing as a pricing strategist. So that's really neat. Jenny Nimala from Illum Pricing. It's also, you know, woman-owned business here in the Minneapolis area. I met her through an organization that I'm part of called BWC, which is Business Women's Circle. And she was one of our speakers, her and her partner that started that firm. Jenny is also a copywriter. So she's marketing-minded. So... It's basically kind of examining your expenses and what do you need to charge? Like, what do your hours cost? You know, what does it cost you to run this business? So using all your P&Ls and whatever, if you've got payroll and staff, you know, to to examine what it is that you need to charge to be even be able to like stay open. And then also kind of like, what is the value of what you're providing? It's complicated. It's not simple, but what is the value of what you're providing and what is that value to your clients? You know, it's like, can they do it themselves? Can they not? Like, can somebody just book online or like, what are we? So the reason I bring up that she has an experience marketing and copywriting is that it, they also then provide you with value message, which is like a big part of it. You know, one of the interesting things she kind of teaches is like getting on the brain waves that your clients already have. Like what is something else that they associate with this dollar amount and what makes it easier to compute? You know, like uh, for yeah. example, our our planning fee is $250 a city. Most of our clients budget, you know, maybe, maybe not most, but maybe, you know, 175, 200. If, and, and it's like, so our, our planning fee is one room night. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, one room night, you know, because our clients are like a rooming list of 60 people for three nights and one room night, you know, like, yeah, those people is three. This rooming list is 100, you know, 180 room nights. One room night is what you're paying for us to manage that project for six months. So it's it's stuff like that, like getting on 
the brain, like the brain waves of what do they already, you know, what do they compare things to? Where are they like price sensitive and where are they not price sensitive, you know? So it's, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And I, I know this is something that we're going to get like questions on. So I'm going to ask this and this is this is assuming we didn't scare people away when we told them that travel advisors made $10,000 or $11,000 a year. But (laughs) if someone was like, this is such an awesome career, I'm really interested in this, or I want to switch gears and go into this, you know, I'm assuming you can't just call up the Black Eyed Peas manager and be like, hey, I want to book your travel. So how do people, what, what advice do you have for people that are interested in getting into this or kind of dipping their toes in? I know. I always think this is a hard one because it's like, in my experience, it really is who you know, you know, and do you have some experience in that arena already? So it's hard for me to imagine just like, I want to handle that band's travel without like getting that it's 24 hours a day and it might be 15 phone calls about one car service (laughs) and before we charged fees we didn't get any you know like now we charge 25 dollars for a car service which is still super affordable depending on how many emails it is you know Uh, so like like i think i mentioned to you you know whenever people ask me how do you get into touring my advice is always get involved wherever you live you know i mean if you want to tour as a tour manager production coordinator work at the local theater like be try to be a production runner at the Target Center, which means you'd be working 20 hour days for, you know, and like possibly humping cases of water for four hours, you know, like the the oh, like that's how you kind of get around the business at the beginning, you know. So as far as getting into the travel side of it, if you're already a travel advisor, like I, you know, the whole thing is. I mean, the reason it's profitable is because it's groups, you know, the bigger the group, the better. I mean, (laughs) and so for us, I mean, that's volume is, is key, right? It would be starting by handling your local high school band trips. I mean, that's the same thing. You're going to be working with a big group of people going to one city. You know, I find it, it's like, I'd rather make a reservation of 60 rooms than one. That's why I struggle with doing leisure stuff because it's like, it's just feel, it's just so, so much emotion tied into like one reservation, you know? If you're a local travel advisor who does leisure travel and you're kind of interested in expanding into that, it would be getting to know the local companies and the, you know, and the schools or universities. I know a bunch of travel advisors that do university athletics travel, you know, that's Mm -hmm. a lot of coach bus movements and maybe you know Mm -hmm. and well another thing molly that might be helpful and i'm not sure so you'll have to let me know but you connected with a bunch of other like production travel advisors during the pandemic during the pandemic and started the etac do you call it etac etac yep yeah and so since you're the president i think you'd be a great person to tell us about what etac is who should be joining it like maybe people interested in this type of travel can get some educational stuff. What tell us more about it? Yeah. So ETAC is the Entertainment Travel Advisors Coalition, which like 30 of us agents started during the pandemic just by starting to 
have Zoom calls and communicate and, you know, talk about originally unemployment and the PPP and all these things that I'm thankfully forgetting, erasing them from my brain. Except for the ERC, we're still dealing with that, trying to get it back. <laughs> the EIDL, the, you know, um, the PUA, yeah, like all of it. But yeah, so that, so, I mean, the, we do, we have actually a five-year experience minimum to join each because it is meant for experienced entertainment agents that work in some realm of entertainment, production, travel. But yeah, our website is etac, E-T-A-C dot online. And that, you know, you can read about everybody and who they are and why we started. And we just banded together like a lot of based on the fee, you know, and the cancellation fees and just talking to each other like, what are you doing? What are we doing? And we had been talking prior to this, like with the Marriott cuts and like, what if they go to 5%? What if they go to zero? Like we're, we're just not, you know, in control of, of us even having like a lasting career. So yeah, do to change that. So yeah, so that's ETAC and it's, you know what, it's in the baby, baby band developing stages. Of course, especially after we all got thrown back into the fire like in July and August when touring just went gangbusters this year. So again, another volunteer thing that, you know, we started and it's, it's, it's all on us. So it's yeah, the growing stages. We have 30 something members, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good idea to like, for me to hear, you know, should we create some sort of like educational component, like a pathway for new people to kind of, go into that industry. And that is one of our, one of our goals. Well, we'll put a link in the, in the show notes, like yeah. I said, so people can check it out if they want, if they have feedback. Great way to get people's foot in the door. Yeah, exactly. What defines a luxury river cruise? Is it the elegance of your environment? Is it the richness of your experiences? Is it the indulgence of your culinary appetite? At Uniworld, everything is included and every detail is carefully considered, designed, and delivered to make your journey unique and unforgettable. Contact your travel advisor or visit uniworld.com. Okay, so your agency is pretty unique in that everyone, well, almost everybody that works on your team has worked in production with the different bands. So... Has that been helpful in helping you find new clients or how do you find new clients? Yeah. And then one thing, sorry, I just had a thought back to the last question I want to answer. It's like, if I'm overlooking the idea, if you're an experienced GDS agent, you can probably get a job at any entertainment agency in the country, <laughs> you know, because like if you're an agent who has experience cranking out hotels and flights okay. uh, in the GDS, that is a highly sought after skill. Yeah, um, from myself and all of my colleagues and peers in entertainment because it's flights and it, it, international exchanges, exchanges, you know. So if you if you're interested in getting into it, you're an experienced agent, even maybe like tapering off in your career, but you have that skill. Call me. <laughs> yeah, and and those of you that don't know the GDS, I'll put a link to what it is. It's. It's a skill, like Volley says, and it's a highly yeah. thought after skill. And it's one that's hard to 
Amadeus, Galileo, there's a few, you know, there's several of them, well, a handful of GDSs, but the global distribution system where you can hold and ticket flights and cars and hotels. So anyway, I just wanted to, I was like overlooking that experienced person who, I mean, you would be very valued in an entertainment agency. New clients. Yeah. I mean, yes, definitely word of mouth. Social media, you know, we did with the free brand, relaunch the website. And we started out doing, you know, pretty heavy social media, which I found was not sustainable for my own personal. <laughs> like, yeah, just in my personal interest professionally, I, I just couldn't focus as much time on it. So you'll see from our feed, it tapered off a little bit, which is fine. It's like, it's, it's social media. But that, you know, that, that would be the way that we like got our new name, our new name out and LinkedIn. And and then, I mean, there's a couple industry, you know, trade shows, conferences. One of them is called Live Production Summit, which is traditionally in Tucson at the beginning of each year. And Polestar is another one in LA. That's a big conference. So those would be like in-person kind of networking opportunities. But otherwise, yeah, online, you know, social media groups. And then just conversation. Well, okay. So last question for this segment. This is an important question too. And I'm, I'm sure other people are curious. So you've worked with lots of big bands. Like we said, Black Eyed Peas, Brit, Ricky Martin, Janet Jackson. I I didn't do all their travel as a travel agent. You know, I toured in various capacities on those. Well, okay. Thanks for clarifying and ruining my like vision of you up there dancing with Britney. And (laughs) that I was, yeah. I was (laughs) coordinator for the circus tour in, and then I was the road manager for the dancers in 2016 and 17 band. So you did dance with them. No skipping. In my wings. Absolutely. Yeah. So is stage this left. what you said we needed to do? I was stage left. I was, I'm a, like a professional road mom. So. Well, okay. So which of the bands, cause, and this is either, I, I feel like it's for touring and not actually for booking travel, but what was your favorite like tour that you were on? That's, it's hard. Cause you know, every tour was a favorite for a different reason, but I have to say my one like standout favorite tour that I ever did was the Glee live in concert tour uh-huh. in 2011, I think. And it's just cause it was like just this tiny little t- capsule in time. It was five weeks during the, the cast's summer hiatus. They made him go on tour. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's a little sad. They're not happy about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> the whole television industry is on hiatus and they're like, you're getting on a bus. But it was, it was just, it was so fun. It was fun because I was the road manager for the band, the dancers and the warblers. And if you're a Glee fan, you'll know who the warblers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was just, it was just like all these you know kids that were just so happy to be there it was so exciting it was like the Beatles like because the whole cast was on tour I mean Leah Michelle Corey Monteith like the whole they were they were all on tour I was the vice principal of the tour the road manager and then my 
boss and good friend Angie Warner was the principal and the tour manager of the cast. So she had the cast on a private plane and I had the band dancers and warblers um, and glam. Like, so it just was fun because it was like TV, it was pop, it was like, it was crazy. We just did a handful of weeks in the States and then we went to England and Ireland and like we broke all the records at the O2 arena in London. Oh, wow. We're doing, because we were doing matinees. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, it had such a wide draw, glee, that was kids too, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was so fun. And I just made so many great new friends on that tour. Well, well, that's a fun way for you to end kind of your, the touring part of your life. Because then you started the agency right after, right? No, I did a couple, I did a couple more years that, that was in 2011. And then I did, after that, I toured with Janet Jackson and then the Jackson Brothers, and then I did another tour at the Alicia Keys. Oh man, live! So, well, let's let's move into talking about your rebrand because I'm really excited about that because I love love loved when you launched your rebrand. Like my LinkedIn feed was always it was always catching my eye, and I got like what I loved about it was that it 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 told me so much about your business and your values and your goals through yeah this rebrand and and I'm going to link to the Molly's LinkedIn profile in the show notes in case anyone wants to like go look back at those and how she did it but what prompted you to do this rebrand from smart and savvy travel over to the optimist travel like where did that name came from and the idea behind it yeah so it started out with just wanting to refresh the logo and then kind of realized that everything was leading into really elevating the agency and like growing it up like I need better systems and processes you know that allow us to take on more clients so that everything's really streamlined it's not like all just a text to Molly like I don't like my seat you know like mm -hmm. to get it out of my brain and into a place that this company can run it you know so through that I ended up moving into a full rebrand and name change instead of just a logo change and which then took me another three months because, you know, it's like n harder than naming your child. Uh, <laughs> and I just wanted something that stuck, you know, like something that like was meaningful and would give us like something to, you know, like a basis for our company and our values and our ethos and just really wanted something that was like catchy. Like, who do you call, you know, who do you want to call? My son was just a Ghostbusters for Halloween. You know, who do you need in your corner? Who can help us with this? Let's call the optimists, you know. So I wanted something like that. What happened, I had a phone conversation that was kind of just bringing me down. And I was emptying the dishwasher for the 450th time that week in 2020. And <laughs> it was like, oh, like, what about that conversation just drove me nuts? You know, how can I get that conversation like out of my like life. And I was like, oh, it was the pessimism. Like it was just like, oh, well, that's da da da. And, oh, Minnesota. Oh, well, that's cold there. And I'm <laughs> this. And, you know, and I'm so then I'm like, what's the opposite of pessimism? Because of course I'm like brainstorming for three months, you know. Optimism. Okay. Optimism. Optim okay. It's not horrible. And like I'd been brainstorming with my team and Cindy had had an O in her mind for some reason. She envisioned an O with <laughs> this could be Cindy's O. 
And I'm like, that's kind of like, that's kind of awesome. Like, you know, and then of course there's the optimist club and different stuff. It was like, yeah, I think that, I think that has like staying power. I think, I think like, I mean, here's my little sign, be optimistic, which I got from my friend, Kathy Hansen. So, you know, there's just like, I wanted something like that where it could be riff off of things that we found elsewhere or like, you know, so yeah. So that's how we land. And then I'm like, we can be CEO, you know, chief executive optimist or chief financial optimist, like that, who doesn't want that in their company, you know? So yeah. Well, I, I feel like, like when I say rebrand, I feel like it does you an injustice because it's way too soft to just of a like description. Like you did a complete business overhaul. It wasn't, you know, just the logo and the brand colors and a new website. To me, it, it felt like you deconstructed your business and you really looked at how you wanted to recreate your business, like with this 10 years of experience you had into one that was like more efficient and dialed in that reflected your values and communicated exactly what it was going to be like to work with you. Like that's what, I mean, I just got all of that from watching, seeing stuff in my feed. So did you, because as another business owner, my mind kind of starts <laughs> deflating, thinking about all the work behind it. So did you yeah. do this on your own or how did you manage such a comprehensive overhaul? No, I did it. I work with a colleague of mine, Meg Murphy, who works with me in the capacity of an integrator. So she kind of helped me take everything out of my brain and put it into a timeline and help everything move forward. And then my team member, Cindy and Flo, like we had a weekly status call with Meg where she kept us moving forward on the to-dos. So things like researching a client portal, you know, we would have a call on Thursday and then we would assign these different things to each of our team members and we would reconvene the next Thursday with notes that we each had done different stuff. So that's kind of how we got through the chunks of documents, process, like we use Travel Joy as a CRM and we used to use it for leisure stuff, but it's like, let's really do it, you know, so we would do training on some of those status calls and then a lot of them were then about the branding. We worked with an incredible creative agency here in Minneapolis called Superhuman. And they gave us like a really amazing opportunity to work with them on kind of a friends and family basis because of working with, they wanted to, they believed in the project and they, they wanted to work within a niche that they didn't kind of already exist in, travel mm -hmm. um, and entertainment. So you know, one week we would have a call with them and then that would like, they would present to us. And then two weeks later we would refine with them and, and, you know, that kind of thing. So we like chipped away at this thing from last, I can't, you know, Meg came on with me, I think in like October or something. And then we, we were shooting for relaunch in March. And then I think we finally like pressed play on the website, like May. Mm-hmm of 2021. So no, I am a big believer of collaboration and working with the team. And like I said, I'm unwilling to do it alone. So we each kind of, we just kept chipping away at it. Yeah. Well, we'll link to superhuman. So if people are interested, yeah. if they're, especially if they're trying to break into travel, you know, reach out to yeah. these people. So let's see. And then I had commented earlier about how your rebrand like 
you were able to just communicate exactly what you provide and what a client can expect. And that was really impressive to me because it, it was succinct and it was very like clear what you were trying to say. So did this all come the, did a lot of this come from your communication background or was this from working with these, these different companies and contractors? I mean, I would say the, the root of it is from since I started working or since I joined BWC, the business women's circle. Um, is that in other cities, you know, or is it just Minneapolis? They are in Minneapolis, St. Paul now. And she is like looking at expanding into other cities. Okay. Well, we'll link to them too then if anyone's yeah. interested. Maybe they'll be in your city. Yeah. Um, and I mean, at this point, we're still meeting virtually. So maybe she'll open it up, you know, to other cities or whatever. But that is, you know... We're in a circle of other business owners and similar size businesses typically. So we kind of like, it used to be based in traction. If you know that book, Steph, it's a, it's a common, now you'll like see it everywhere, but that's what it's based in. So there's like exercises, you know? So one of the exercises was called the VTO. It's a vision traction organizer. And so it's, five-year goal, one-year goal kind of values. So I've done a lot of work over the years in getting that value statement, getting that elevator pitch, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of, it's, it's a, an evolution of three, three or four years of that and changing it. And so I had kind of the framework, you know, from Smart and Savvy Travel and knew, you know, for years, it's like, I want to tune up my accounting. Okay, well, then the pandemic provided this time to like, that stuff's the easy stuff. Like, let's get some systems in place. And let's get some terms and conditions and some cancellation fees in place and kind of streamline our processes. But yeah, I've been working on that kind of stuff for like three years. And it's about communicating your values and clarifying and simplifying and yeah and and you know speaking of values so on the other side of that it felt like with the rebrand you were kind of baking your values into your business which is honestly one of the things I love most about being a business owner is you can kind of be the vehicle of change you want to see you know we yeah. all worked for other people and been like I don't ever I would never do that at my company. Like, I always want to value this. So on your, I think is on your site, you said, and hold on, let me pull this quote up. We're changing our business model to create sustainable jobs for our team and leaning into what we do best, not just booking travel, but proactively managing it. So what is, when you talk about sustainable jobs, what does that mean to you? And why is that so important? Well, we're an experienced team, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. I, um, I, you know, loved college, did well, knew I wanted to have a career that involved travel. Touring pays well when you're on the road, obviously, because you're gone 24-7, but, you know, you're working hard and you get hopefully compensated for it. And so, I mean, my team, that's, that's the world we come from. We're not, like, doing this as a part-time hobby, paying out of pocket because <laughs> we want to see a concert, you know? Like, yeah. we are... I'm 42 years old now, you know, had I not gone this direction, I would be an executive at a corporation if I worked at the same place for 20 years. And I'm like, you know, like, do I deserve an assistant? It's like, dude, like, let's, you know, like, let's run this like a real business. Like we have 
experience of moving hundreds of people around the world, every allergy, every middle name, it's high level details, you know? And so it's like, I'm looking to find out if this is a sustainable way to continue my career at this point in my life. It's just like, you know, everything coming out of the pandemic, like, what do we want to leave behind and what do we want to bring with, you know? And it, and it is, it can be lucrative, right? Like it's great when business is booming and commissions are getting paid, you know, it, it's, it can be lucrative enough to pay for a team of, you know, very experienced people to do the work. So that's kind of where we're coming from with that. Yeah. I love, I love the idea of like just saying sustainable wages for the team, because I think like to me, if I'm a client that like makes me feel like, oh, good. Like I'm, I'm glad, you know, I don't want to go support places where the CEO is making millions and millions and then the staff is making $18 an hour yeah. or like $12 an hour. Like, I want to know that people are treated well when I'm giving business to that company. Yeah. And, and also that is what prevents turnover. And that is like the biggest frustration of this industry is people go, oh, I get a different agent every time I call or, you know, like. I'm in the middle of a tour and an agent rolls over and leave, you know, like to a different agency or something, or they get taken off of my project. And now I'm just like explaining everything from the beginning. You know, we are never, we don't have that. Like it's very, you know, very personal relationship. And we've had the same team for, you know, I mean, since I started added more people, but, um, creating a sustainable wage so that we can not have turnover and invest in our team and invest in trainings and educations and improving our our skills and our processes and our systems for our clients is is important you know mm-hmm. I, yeah I, I love that it helps because it sounds like you in a lot of ways a lot of people would age out of touring if they wanted to start a family because it's just not sustainable to be on the road almost the whole year if you're starting a family. So it gives some other options for that. One of the other things I I ran across on your site was you were talking about being committed to practicing allyship and improving the communities that you exist in both locally and globally. So what are some ways you have or that you have plans to improve the communities that you're existing in? Like what kind of social responsibility came with this rebrand? Yeah, again, it's just something we, you know, wanted to make public to hold ourselves accountable to it. Of course, being in Minneapolis and, you know, with the murder of George Floyd and the uprising last year all over the country. And whew, we were in election time last year. Whoofta. It's been a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like we don't want to just leave that in 2020. You know, I'm committed to furthering my own journey in anti-racism. I'm, you know, I'm committed to improving diversity, equity and inclusion within our own company, within my own family, you know, both my personal and professional network. And that's also one of our goals and values of ETAC is to continue like with the education piece, you know, create educational opportunities, create doorways into this industry, share our knowledge, like collaboration over competition. So yeah, locally, I mean, for my team, we compensate our employees for a certain number of months, hours per month. 
in order for them to volunteer. We provide a certain dollar amount of pro bono travel management services for nonprofits. And I was like, oh, where is it going to make sense for us to provide pro bono services? Like, you know, not a lot of food shelves are booking flights or, you know, yeah. like, and then it's come up several times. I mean, there's an organization called Touring Professionals Alliance that was also created through the pandemic of roadies, supporting roadies, touring professionals. And they did a big sort of food drive with local restaurants last year, feeding unemployed event staff. And we, they sent a production manager to each city and, and, you know, they'd stay in a hotel and we were able to waive our fees and realize, okay, this, this is helping them. You know, this Mm -hmm. is a great service. We, we also were able to do that with the um, National Museum of African American Music for a travel project that we managed for them, which was awesome. Because that's something I, I, I think I hear about. Actually, I think this is the first time I've ever heard of an agency like vocalizing that they do things like this to give back to the communities. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's like if we're going to redo this and do this right, like let's, you know, and that's kind of the the optimists, the name of the company is the optimists. You know, I don't know what the 10 year picture, I have to look at my VTO for you or tell you what it is, but is, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it's maybe it's not just travel management, you know, maybe we have an annual you know, volunteer function that it, we're able to organize for local people. Maybe there's an events element to it. You know, we also do travel for festivals and retreats and where we're starting to look at, you know, putting an optimist on on the retreat where we're actually like managing the travel on the ground. So it's exciting to think about, you know, where it may go, but we always want to kind of keep that keep that ethos as part of you know part of what what we're doing and like we say always people first and so you know anything that we commit to is going to be focused on people and also sustainability in travel yeah so switching gears a little bit I kind of wanted to talk about you you have a remote team that you work with and I think they're all located in the United States right yes so how do you hire and find people for your team? Like what characteristics are you looking for that's really important for you that that fit with remote working and kind of, yeah, what, what characteristics are important and how do you find them? Well, I mean, up to this point, I've been, you know, just extremely lucky. Bobby, my first full-time employee, came to me through Bonnie Lee travel quest and so bobby's worked with me so i mean that's just a unique situation you know and so most of my team has been with me for several years so i'm actually kind of getting back into the hiring space one of the main things that we're focusing on is equitable hiring mm-hmm. which actually you know includes taking off gender from the application taking off age from the application because it doesn't matter so we're getting into like learning about equitable hiring practices through HR resources. And for me personally, my next hire is going to be somebody that can work with me in person locally, Mm -hmm. at least two days a week. And this is for like the assistant kind of that, the admin assistant you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. It's primarily like admin may teach them the GDS, but 
you know, to work locally. But instead of thinking, oh, it's got to be somebody like just lives within five miles because nobody's going to want to come out to where whatever. Like, no. Does that mean we need to have a public transportation stipend in addition to the salary? Like, you know, we want to have a wide pool of applicants outside of our specific area and outside of our specific network. And so those like those are kind of logistical details, you know, that we're working, working on in order to create an equitable hiring mm-hmm. practice and also kind of like fit like we all we we created an internship uh, job description as well for the social media part of it. And looking at working with some other industry organizations who who have like apprentice and internship programs. One of those being Diversify the Stage, which is another great organization started by Noelle Skaggs of Fits in the Tantrums. So see if we can work with them to create an internship for one of their upcoming students. So I think one of the hardest things when people are looking at building a remote team is like one of the challenges is, is like building that sense of community when everybody and, and keeping everyone on the same page when everyone lives in different areas. So how do you make that happen at The Optimist? Well, I would say the Moxtra portal is, you know, was the the biggest move that we did towards that, which is like creating a virtual office. You know, it shows who's here, you're green or you're red or you're busy or away. It's linked to our calendar. It's, we have like chats you know so we have like a whole team chat then we have a chat with basically each of our agents between each other as well as our clients in there so it's really slick and to like just hey yeah yes and you can create to-do lists and check them off you can assign them to each other you can assign a client a to-do so it's like you know hey review the rates from san francisco and let us know and they can check off the to-do list so that that has leveled the playing field nicely. I wanted to get things out of text. Yeah. I, it's, you know, when I get a, t- a work text, I'm like, I'm never going to read this. I don't know. I'm going to forget it's here. I'm driving. I have a two-year-old. Like, so, yeah. So so that's been great for us, too. And I'm sure people, a lot of teams use Slack and all the various project management stuff. I'll put a link to um, Sococo, which I, I think I mentioned to you oh, before. Yeah. It sounds like it's very similar to Sococo with okay. the virtual office. Okay, so the, I mean, I think the other thing we chatted on too that has really helped both of us is like having weekly team meetings. Like ours, we have Monday, we have it last for two hours, and then Thursdays it lasts for about an hour, so we can all like catch up with each other and get on the same page and talk about ideas. Yeah. Yeah, we do that as well. Myself, I have Meg and I have one on Mondays and then the whole team on Thursdays. And then that's where we'll like assign something. And ideally, like we have 90 minute status calls and mm-hmm. Moxtra as well, which also serves as a meeting platform. And it's nice to like actually work during those, you know, like, hey, we need to talk about commission invoicing. Let's bang out these three commission invoices or now there's a whole proposal process in our work because mm-hmm. fees. So it's not just we don't just launch into the work immediately. So we'll try to like work on the proposal together during the team status, you know, so that 
I actually get it done. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just going to live in that. It's not- questionable. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is kind of a good time to move into, like, start wrapping things up, move into our last segment, which means we need to cue the warm, fuzzy segment music. And Molly, I don't want to put pressure on you, but I am so excited for this because how fun is it that I have an optimist that's giving us a warm fuzzy? So like if there's something that someone did that kind of brightened your day or something you did for someone that makes us be like, this is why we're in this industry, even though sometimes it freaking is very hard and sucks when you only make $11,000 a year (laughs) and you're working full time and canceling all your work from the previous year. I will literally get a job at the Dairy Queen. (laughs) That's not I love working at the Dairy Queen. Uh, I mean, honestly, I guess I don't, I don't have any, like my brain doesn't go back too far. So it's, it's just like the little texts, I think that's like, you are seriously a miracle worker and you're like, you know, yeah. And it's like, can I screenshot this and like share however they do those sharing thing? Like, you know, like, so and then which then I think has just led to in our case like referrals to other clients and that like this is your team they're they're amazing like you know so those I think just kind of little little comments and thank yous back because everybody's flying by the seat of their pants out here you know and everybody industry is still trying to recoup two years of unemployment and so it's like it's less about the amenities and and just more about like being available and you know and like a confidant and a, a reliable source for your client. So I think it's those mm-hmm. we've just had you know kind of several little comments back where whether it's you know y'all are the best and that it's like yes that's why we do this you know like. We're, it's thank yous from clients as of late that, you know, remind us why keep we keep going. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for sharing. And it's, it's kind of bittersweet because I had such a good time in this episode, but it's also time to wrap things up. So Molly, you're fandabulous for being so open with your expertise and kind of sharing your experience. So thank you. Thank you. Reminder. So- if there's anyone that's a new advisor listening to this, don't forget you can see Molly's cameo appearance on Asta's Roadmap to Becoming a Travel Advisor course with me. And I think it's at asta.org slash, and you can use the HAR149 code to get it 50% off. And then last but not least, don't forget we are doing Host Week coming up in January. So sign up for Host Week reminders and save your spot at hostagencyreviews.com slash hostweek. That is all for now, folks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. You can read a transcript to view the show notes with a link to all the resources we mentioned and watch a video of today's episode all in one place. So head on over to hostagencyreviews.com slash TAC and click on episode 21. And one last reminder, because I'm really excited about this. So don't forget to grab your free spot for HAR's annual host week, which is January 23rd through the 29th in 2020. And if you happen to be listening to this and host week has already passed, don't worry, you are not going to miss out on the fun. The free sessions are available to you uh, at your viewing pleasure at youtube.com slash host agency reviews. 
and just click on our host week playlist.